Welcome back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Minute. We are on Minute 3. I'm Andrew Duraski. And I'm Kester Duraski. And Minute 3 of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from Walt Disney Productions uh, begins with a little bit of text in an illuminated fairy tale book saying that as long as the queen hears from the mirror that the queen is the fairest, Snow White is safe. Bit ominous. Uh, and it ends with a magic mirror saying famed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an interesting ending too. <laughs> well, I, I think there's a line that it's starting. Yes. Yes. I, it might even be beginning a little couplet of rhymes, Ooh. but uh, all we hear it say is famed. Right. So in the last minute, minute two, we did talk about the last page. Yes. Do you have anything to add to it? Uh, just that this book's so beautiful. So beautiful. I really want to like see it in real Do life. they turn the last page or does it just fade out from the... It I think it just fades. fades. It fades. It fades to black or does it fade to the image? It fades to black. Okay. And then fades to from there. To okay. So fade out, fade in. Mm-hmm. And we fade in on a castle. It's a very like quaint, polite, almost peasant-like <laughs> castle. Just a little bit. I mean, you can tell it's definitely a castle. a castle, but in regards to other castles and like Cinderella's castle, for example, mm-hmm. it's very interesting and it's, not... it is very pleasant. Yes. Um, but it, it is also a little plain. It's, it doesn't have like a stately feel to it, mm-hmm. but it, it, like it has its own kind of grandeur. It's very tall. It's very tall, but it's very quaint i would call it yes and then we kind of zoom in and some of the um backgrounds or foregrounds like you zoom through them which is when so i haven't watched this movie since i was a kid until we started planning this and we hope to do a lot of the disney movies and there are several that i am much more attached to than this but when we watched that zoom in that is when i realized that this was amazingly crafted you almost jumped out of your chair like as soon as we were watching this like to get ready for this podcast just a couple weeks ago we were watching and this is really good like and we hadn't seen anything they were just like zooming through those foregrounds and i noticed that there was like three or four layers to it i'm like this is fantastic like this is well done carefully done and like precisely executed and I think I watched it a year, maybe two years ago, at, at, like before we started watching this. So that was the most recent. Like I watched it recently, I'd say within the last three years. Mm-hmm. But you haven't seen it in... Uh, like, I don't know that <laughs> any time in my childhood I actually like watched it. You know, there are parts of it that like were more familiar than others. But a lot of this felt very, very new to me. Um, I was probably watching more of the Disney Renaissance um, stuff, which starts with um, Little Mermaid in 89. So a very different setup. I do remember Disney's Cinderella. I think we had that one on VHS. And so it got into the mix. I don't think we had Snow White on VHS. So I could not pop this one in and watch it. Most people, I think, would have seen Cinderella because it's a very iconic film. But this should be more iconic. Yes, but when people think of... When I talk to people about Disney, like they usually know of Cinderella 
and maybe some maybe Snow White, maybe Aurora. We, we but, definitely had Sleeping Beauty on VHS. That one was available. But the ones that they feel more attached to mm-hmm. are the Renaissance. So Little yes. Mermaid. The Belle, ones in the nineties. Like Jasmine. Like I remember seeing or at least going to a theater to see Lion King. Like I remember those experiences, which are much later and much removed, but like Snow White is the foundation of Disney. <laughs> And it's very important. And so this is the first time I was like really engaging with it. And I felt a lot of power from that, like knowing that this was the first one, that this was responsible for it. And then, so I felt that like just thinking about it and going into it and deciding to do this podcast with you and things like that. And then when we were watching it, I had a whole different experience where I realized this is craft. This is art executed this is a game changer and i you know and i came to understand that better as i was learning about it but yeah just watching that opening minute i was like this is very well done this is engaging like the art side of my brain is saying this is good i want to stare at this like it's it like like at a museum and you've seen me stare at things at a museum i'm almost certain we had to pause it so that you could just look at it and and just stare at this beauty and and let my brain just look at the trees and the bushes and the landscape and the sky and the castle and it's it's balanced well like it is good art you were in complete awe and i was just laughing at your reaction because i was i did not expect that from you i was expecting yeah this is good or nah, were you expecting okay. me to ever react like this is really good? No, I was not expecting to be like, oh my goodness, this is like the best thing I have seen or whatever. I think I probably like this movie more than you do now. <laughs> probably. I do like this movie and I am a huge Disney fan. You are the bigger Disney fan. We okay, let's we can tell the story now. So we're married and Kestra is a very big Disney fan and I am a more casual Disney fan. I used I, I used to be a cast member at Walt Disney World. Yes, so was, you have been employed by the Walt Disney Company. Yes, I have. <laughs> and you got college credit for it. And I have a much more casual engagement with Disney stuff. Um, I really enjoy some of them, like some of them more than others. Like I can watch a lot of them and just be really happy. But I, like I said, I hadn't really like watched this one. It wasn't, you know, like I need to engage with all the Disney and now I'm much more excited to do that because of this podcast and because of you, but also because of this film. I can watch almost every single movie, though you have turned my my attention from some. Uh, we'll get to that later if we to, get support. Due to your opinions and uh, creative don't be, mind. Don't be so diplomatic. I fixed Frozen in your brain. <laughs> You most certainly I have, did. I have some issues with Frozen, and I have some notes, and some people really like those notes. But I still like Frozen. Not as much anymore. I love your version so much more. <laughs> but I can watch almost every single Disney film and just be in awe. Which, I, I don't know if I can watch anything and just relax. <laughs> I am very analytical. I, when I went to college, I went to college and studied American studies, which is deconstructing culture. Like this, like this podcast is an example of what I always wanted to do, which is to pick something apart and like find interesting things or meaning or depth or, um, or notes and things like that. And so I love doing this, but I did take a minute just with this first shot 
of the art, the animation of Snow White. And I said, this is real good. Um, but enough of that. We should move on with the story. It zooms and zooms and zooms. Um, I think they fade from this kind of wide pastoral castle shot to a... Uh, Dark a, room? Well, they they fade to- into a closer castle shot where you see this window, window and then they fade past the window. So they do, you know, like three backgrounds uh, in this zoom fade process, which is a, uh, it's a filmmaking technique that was really pioneered by... Orson Welles, I don't know if he like pioneered the idea of this kind of technique, but it's a it's a process that I was shown in school from Citizen Kane where they were panning up a fence and it changed into different kinds of fences from like a like a wrought iron fence to a chain link fence and, and all this stuff to demonstrate very quickly that the area they were going into in the next scene was secure, closed off, secluded. So this fade while still kind of zooming or, or panning to the next thing, but it's the same thing is, you know, it's, it's a fairly sophisticated filmmaking technique that in the thirties might not have been very common. So like they're doing good filmmaking too. Right. And so they zoom in through the window and you get this dark chamber with the, with the curtains and everything and a big, big mirror, huge mirror with, a huge frame around it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, the first thing I noticed while we were watching was there's a Zodiac around it, which is an odd detail. Like it's the kind of detail I don't think they would put into a Disney film now. Like, I'm not saying they don't put detail work like this into things, but I don't think someone would think of that particular, you know, detail, even for doing something mystical. It, it, I was like struck by that, that addition. I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out. And now I, when I watched it after you pointed it out to me, I was like, just staring at them. But the interesting thing is it's not in, it's not a typical sequence. It it is in order, but it doesn't. doesn't So we, we researched it because I was like obsessed with this Zodiac around the mirror. And I wanted to like investigate more. Cause like, it doesn't say that in the Grimm story. You know, that's an addition for imagery, which maybe they were getting it from, you know, maybe somebody else had incorporated it into an illustration for it or something like that. But so we did like, we did look it up and everything and it doesn't start with the normal one. It's offset by, I think one. Um, Might've been a couple, it might've been two. Which was, which was just an odd note. But other than that, it's, um, it's in sequence. It just starts kind of funny. We don't know why. But I latched onto that fact. Yes. Um, but I well, and one thing I noticed because I'm a Libra is that Libra's at the top, <laughs> uh, or it's one of the two at the top. And so I was like, eh. um, not that it's important, but uh, I took note of it. And so the queen steps up and summons the slave in the mirror, which is not a term I found in I. I so I have a a copy of Grimm's Fairy Tales. It's a wonderful green leather-bound, gold-embossed uh, book that I got from Borders. May it rest in peace. Um, <laughs> love Borders. But <laughs> it does not refer to the magic mirror as like a slave in the mirror. And so I don't know where they got that exact term. And I was intrigued by it. But so she has this 
very intense summoning of the slave in the mirror across space and darkness and wind and fire. And, and it, uh, it is not small stuff. And then you get the spooky shrouded in smoke face, um, in the mirror. The way that they, uh, that Wolfgang Reitherman, I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, he's the animator for the magic mirror. The way that he did it was he folded the piece of the paper in half and then traced one half or drew one half of the face and then traced the other half so that it was equal. But then like they added, I don't know how, but they added smoke and, and kind of a shimmery effect to it. Uh, Yes. Distortion. Yeah. It's not in, it's not in perfect focus the whole time and the focus ebbs and flows. So it doesn't look exactly how I believe he, he wanted it to, too because it it distorted his well that's interesting because a perfectly symmetrical face is unsettling that would be weird to see like because our faces aren't perfectly symmetrical so it would be weird in its own way but i somehow think maybe it's creepier to see all this distortion and maybe our brains can process like through that distortion it's like otherwise this is perfectly symmetrical and like do his eyes also move in symmetry the entire time or I can't remember. Because he doesn't show a lot of emotion. No. His eyes kind of speak with his mouth. <laughs> like yeah. they're they're in sync to a degree. But it's interesting the way they did this mirror. And the face itself is not even like a full head or face. It's like those comedy and tragedy masks. It's, it's very classically, um, I think that's probably Greek drama as the foundation of those masks that we would think of as the comedy and tragedy. And this one is neither. It's neither, but, but it's, the it fa- has the same feel as those. Yeah. Masks and the, do. like the, um, the cut of the mask is, is matching those and it's not smiling, but it's also not frowning. He doesn't really like, he has an emotion, but like not really at the same time. Like there, it's like, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's deadpan, but it's cruel. Yes. At the same time. And it's very interesting the way they put that into just a face um, and and a voice. But I was intrigued, you know, so this is possibly not even the first time, you know, this mirror has been depicted. So I don't know if they invented this idea of making it the, the comedy tragedy mask face that's speaking. But if they did, it's clever and iconic. Because magic mirrors always have that kind of face now. Yeah. That's what you see in a magic mirror face when you picture it. It's just, yeah. It's very interesting. And I would say almost iconic to the the magic mirror itself. I would say it's iconic. Like this magic mirror image is iconographic. Like you can draw this type of mirror and like with a with a few particular details, you know, it, it's an oval. It has a certain kind of uh, ornamentation at the top and the bottom at the you know, like apex uh, top and bottom of the, of the curve and, and things like that. And, and you will, and if you just like darken it, then it's like, that's a magic mirror kind of mirror. You can't see a, an oval mirror set at that angle, you know, at the upright angle with that kind of ornamentation and not think magic mirror. At this point, that's, I mean, that's the power of icon and it's fantastic and amazing and, and good job, Disney. 
is the is the room she's in just the magic mirror room there's nothing else in there is it i don't think so but i i honestly don't know because they don't show much of the room itself or the castle or the castle itself she's up in a tower yes they show that and then they show later she they show her workspace on a a throne or is she on a throne later when she's talking to the hunter the huntsman okay i i haven't seen everything in detail i'm still working through this minute by minute with you guys listeners with you i'm doing this for you um (laughs) The other thing that I really know about this minute is it's the beginning where you see the queen's acting. Like the physical performance is very acting. It's it's like a stage performance. The the grand movements, like she holds her arms out for the summoning, and and she's got this cape and the sleeves and everything. I but love then, that cape. But, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. <laughs> the, that cape comes up later. Um, but then she asks the mirror a thing, and she gestures with her arms and folds them folds them high she doesn't like fold them low and like wait for the answer she folds them like very austere you know it's like my arms are up like Mm -hmm. tell me what you're gonna tell me and she's you know hunching not hunching but raising her shoulders and her back and her arms to be higher than whatever like she's trying to be more tall and, and grand grand yes she's she's pushing more of her body up higher. Even though it's not making her taller, it gives a certain effect. Which I really like how they did that. And I like how they did the queen in the end. When originally, uh, before like they decided on how on what the characters were going to be. And like mm-hmm. their, their actual looks. People thought that she was going to be fat and ugly and not like this grand like it's, beauty, but it's a she lovely needs, she needs to be this grand person like she is the fairest save snow white absolutely and and like that suits her like that description like she is grand and beautiful and elegant in many ways you absolutely. know like her face is is ordered nicely and like she doesn't have anything you say it's like oh that's an ugly person except her personality and that's interesting and it and they like it sets up immediately like her lips are red her skin is pale her hair which you don't really see but it's like i assume it's dark um she's very much like snow white but not (laughs) but absolutely not there she seems to have this fierceness on Mm -hmm. her being, which you wouldn't necessarily set with beauty and with fair Mm -hmm. fairness. And also like along with her, her acting with her shoulders up and the arms high and she folds her arms like across her chest twice in, in this one scene. I think it might be in the next minute actually. And I think they might like set the camera so to speak, I mean, it's animation, so it's a little bit of a different process, lower than usual to put her in a position of power. Um, I don't think it's filmed from, you know, close to head height. I think it's closer to her shoulder height so that she seems higher and high and mighty and, and austere again. And it's like, this is interesting ways to show things like symbolic ways to demonstrate her power 
if I understood filmmaking better, I might say, you know, her position on the screen was probably denoting, you know, certain things about positive and negative. And I think she's on the right side of the screen and we read screens from left to right. So, you know, we kind of come up against her instead of coming from her. We come to her as we look at the screen, things like that. That's in Western culture is different in other cultures for reading a screen, but there's certain, you know, things like that filmmaking techniques that are in play here that work really well. Absolutely. But um, we end and she says, you know, who's the fairest of them all? And we we see straight on to the mirror and we get it like stare at the mirror as he delivers his line. And he just says, famed. <laughs> so that's all we know so far about so what he's going to say. Yes. Do you have anything else on this minute? Um, I just find it. There was just one thing I found interesting that she says magic mirror on the wall. Who is fairest of them all? When growing up, I would usually hear people like. Does she say magic mirror? Because I noticed that in in my copy that it says magic mirror, but everyone thinks mirror mirror. Yes, everyone thinks mirror mirror, but she does say magic mirror on the wall. Huh. Which is very interesting because you would think that most people would, or that that most people would get mirror mirror on the wall from the movie that has mirror mirror on the wall or the book that's actually that would say mirror mirror on the wall. And, and my copy says looking glass upon the wall. Huh. Uh, it, it doesn't say mirror. She had a magic looking glass and used to stand it before, stand before it and look in it and say, looking glass upon the wall, who is fairest of us all. So that's in my copy. It says looking glass. And then like, there's been a, a snow white adaptation called mirror mirror. In recent years, I didn't yes. see it, but I know it exists. Um, I mean, here it says magic mirror. Yeah, so I don't know where we got. Oh, there's the good. Oh, right there. Um, but we found the really good picture of the zodiac around the mirror. Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? So I wonder where we get mirror mirror. mirror. Yeah, I don't know. We might have to investigate that a little bit. Um, so is that it for this minute? That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us and please come back tomorrow where we will deal with another minute from Snow White and Seven Dwarfs and soon we will get a website, hopefully. But until then, please find us, like us on iTunes or any podcast service and see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. 